I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. That's what Boyd does, and those of us who sit in for Boyd from time to time attempt to do the same thing. My name is Marty Carpenter sitting in for Boyd today here on Inside Sources on a big political day. Kind of, right? It's not carrying control, ultimate control, final showdown kind of control of the Senate. But everyone is in the political world keeping an eye on the Senate race in Georgia, the runoff in Georgia. And whether or not, uh, you know, Republicans will take that seat or whether or not Democrats will take that seat. Uh, The question really is, is there any hope for Republicans as their candidate Herschel Walker faces off against the politically skilled Senator Raphael Warnock? And what are the dynamics at play? We're joined now by David M. Drucker. He's the senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. Uh, David, thanks for being with us. Uh, What are you hearing on the ground about Herschel Walker's chances tonight? Well, look, I think the outcome is going to be close, or at least relatively close. My best Republican sources are pessimistic. They don't expect him to win. But, you know, as we learned on November 8th of this year, uh, it's hard to tell what is going to happen at the end of the day. I think a really interesting factor or an interesting dynamic in this race, I should say, is that Raphael Warnock has been competing like the challenger, crisscrossing the state, holding multiple events a day, engaging with reporters, engaging with constituents. Um, and Walker, on the other hand, has been usually holding just one event per day, keeping the press at arm's length, and I can understand why you might want to do that, but I'm just saying it's been a very interesting dynamic to watch the incumbent campaign like the challenger and the challenger campaign like the incumbent. There's always a dynamic in a race, especially when it gets to a, a runoff and any more really in any Senate race, especially one that's really close, that uh, voters have like this interesting decision to make because uh, to some extent you're choosing a, an individual to go serve in the United States Senate. That's clearly what you're doing. But also you're, you have another factor in how you vote, and that is, you know, what party do you want to be in control? That's kind of taken out in this case, uh, different than what many Georgia voters were facing just a few weeks ago. How does that dynamic change uh, impact uh, a runoff situation where, you know, if you're a, a Republican who voted for Herschel Walker a few weeks ago, hoping that Republicans would take the Senate, now knowing that's not the case, does that hamper the enthusiasm for some of those Herschel Walker voters in, in your perspective? 
I think so. I mean, t- in talking to my sources in Georgia, and that's where I focused my attention, uh, they said that the fact that the Senate majority is not on the line is really was really damaging to his prospects in that it's been much harder in their estimation to get Republicans interested in this race, especially after a very disappointing midterm election overall, not necessarily outside of Georgia, with Governor Brian Kemp winning re-election and, and Republicans sweeping the statewide offices. But for Republicans who were focused on Washington and putting a check on Joe Biden, um, even though Republicans won the House, the majority was much narrower and this race will not impact the Senate majority one way or the other. And, and, and the Republicans that I talked to in Georgia that, that have their ear to the, to the ground tell me that, that that's clearly a challenge for Walker to overcome. Um, they still believe, looking at the early vote numbers, that there's a pathway to victory for Walker today, depending on what election they turn out is like. Uh, but they're not placing big bets on it. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. In our last segment, we looked at some poll numbers here in Utah uh, ahead of the 2024, the way too early numbers for the 2024 race. And it showed that uh, Governor DeSantis has the highest, um, I guess, approval or a highest level of support among Utah Republican voters for the presidency in 2024 at 24%, a little over 24%. Trump came in third at 14%, two points almost, a full two points below Liz Cheney. The general consensus coming out of election night was that it was a really good night for Governor DeSantis and a really bad night for Donald Trump. So I'm wondering, is this is this vote tonight still somewhat of a referendum on President Trump because he's thrown his support behind Herschel Walker? Or how does he factor into this? Well, look, I think it's important to remember he didn't just throw his support behind Walker. He recruited him into the center race. He asked him to run. He wanted him to run. And Walker ran away with the Republican primary. Now, there were more factors involved than simply Trump's backing. He's for decades been really kind of like a folk hero in Georgia. You know, former NFL player, led the Georgia Bulldogs to a national championship in 1980. Uh, if you know if you know Georgia, you know that, that kind of thing matters. Very charismatic, um, has been a successful businessman of some sort. So even though he hadn't lived in the state for the better part of two decades and been living in Texas, um, Georgia Republicans embraced him. And he wasn't necessarily a bad campaigner, but there was a lot of personal baggage, baggage that he had not previously disclosed in books and speeches when he was talking about his own challenges with mental health. And he, in many respects, didn't look ready for prime time. He didn't appear to know what he didn't know, let alone know things. And I think that's why Ryan Kemp 
wins re-election easily with 53-plus percent of the vote. And Herschel Walker falls just short in round one with 48 percent plus of the vote behind Warnock, who just fell short of that 50 percent uh, threshold to avoid a runoff. I so- do think it's another knock against Trump if Walker loses because he's defined as a Trump ally. Um, and obviously, if Walker pulls this out, Trump can salvage something from the 2022 midterm elections. But I think that sort of ship has sailed in that I think the party, I think people critical of Trump, you know, have made their judgment based on the overall outcome of the midterm elections and won't reassess based on one contest. Uh, David M. Drucker, senior political correspondent with The Washington Examiner. Thanks so much for being with us. And all eyes will be on Georgia tonight as we see who comes out ahead, Republicans or Democrats, Walker or Warnock in that race. Uh, Coming up, some final thoughts on a Tuesday here on Inside Sources. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.